listening to episode 12 of the Massive Attack Podcast with me, Mitch, and Joe. We are moved on from the Borderlands podcast that was last episode, and we have come out reasonably unscathed. Yes, reasonably. I've actually finished the storyline of Borderlands 2. I'm waiting for you to help me finish the storyline of Borderlands 2. Yeah, so why, why not? Let's jump straight into gaming. Yes. We've got a lot to talk about today, so let's talk about gaming. So Borderlands has been taking up most of our time over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I was lucky enough to have a little bit of time off work, and in between children napping and kinder and being stay-at-home dad, I did get a fair bit of Borderlands playing, mm-hmm. and I managed to finish the storyline, and I think I clocked in at about two and a half days to finish the main story, and at the end of that, I think I had about two or three side missions left, but other than that, I'm ready to jump into my second playthrough. But then I kind of thought, mm, maybe I feel like something different. Well, that's the weird thing. Like, we were so excited about this game, and it, it is a great game. We, we talked about it last, and nothing broke since then, so it was more of the same, and it was all equally as good, and the story was better than the last time, and the mechanics seemed to be, if, if not the same, better. Like, there's nothing wrong with the game except for the things we mentioned last time yeah. that we were missing, that we didn't like. But apart from that, it's fine. It's really good. But I found I really craved other games while I was playing it. I don't know what it was about it. Maybe I broke myself with the original Borderlands game, but I found... It's like, oh, no. I, maybe... And maybe... And I did talk to you about this off off air that maybe it was being underpowered. Like, I, I was so used to being so highly powered in my previous game save that I didn't like being not the toughest guy on the floor yeah. and being attacked by these new game mechanics that weren't there before. And I don't know, just aspects that just like, oh... Because they did fix things, and I suppose for the better, in the fact that money was a lot harder to come by. Guns were less powerful than before. Yeah. And not having the blood win, like we said. So just the perks of the game were nowhere near as easy to come by, so therefore the game was harder. Yeah. And that took me out of it a little. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, but I found later in the game when I was a bit more powered up, I was enjoying it more. Like, I had better weapons that wasn't taking me a whole clip of ammo to kill someone. I could do it in a couple of shots. Mm. And I had the, a decent sniper rifle, so I was managing to like kill people from a distance with headshots. But, I don't know, I, I think the fact that you didn't level up your proficiency of your weapons the same as you did in the first one kind of hurt it a little bit. Because I was finding I was jumping between different guns a lot, mm. rather than just sticking with one gun. Well, I stuck with one gun only because I found ones I was comfortable with. Yeah. And that was it. So, I stuck with those guns. But, yeah, sort of, I found... Which is totally weird. I'm not a huge fan of racing games, but that was my craving. After playing this for a couple of weeks, I'm like, I don't know, I played Need for Seed. And I've had this game for five years, and I keep going back to it. I've never finished it, but I keep going back and continuing my career mode. It's like, yeah, I want to do that. And then I found myself actually more craving to play this racing game than I did any other game. Yeah. So I thought, it was weird, because there's nothing wrong, like I said, with Borderlands, but I just wanted to play Pro Street a bit. And there was frustration with sort of like the map, and not knowing the maps, I suppose, made me frustrated as well, because I was so familiar with the Borderlands 1 map so I found myself and looking at a ledge going oh it's up there so I've got to go all the way around here to get to this and it's like if I was playing Batman Arkham City I'd just use my claw and jump up there and do it and yeah. I was like that's right I haven't finished Batman Arkham City so I started playing that again so it just it was a weird vibe with the game yeah. and I just didn't care I like there's some moments in it that got me angry but that was storyline mode and that was on purpose and done really well by the writers but it was just sort of a weird ambivalence to the game for some reason yeah it's a bit of a shame really like I'm glad I finished it and in the end I powered through the last few story missions and they were quite long missions and I think once you're kind of 
immersed in that last little sort of ending side of things. It really sucked you Ramped in. up. Well, that's where I'm at now. I'm literally yep. up to the last boss, and, and it's sort of like, cool, cool. And it did not take me long to get through and doing it. Yep. But it sort of, it took me a, a bit of a chore to get to that point, saying I really should, should finish this game and move on to play something else. Yeah. So it's, it's but in a way, though, I was glad that I was playing a few other things in between my Borderlands sessions. Because you played some other stuff too. Yeah, I have. Like, I'm a big fan of the Fire Pro Wrestling series from back in the 90s. Going I back do to... remember you went on the old days of dial-up internet and you bought a Japanese copy. Did you buy a Japanese console as well? I had a NTSC Sega Saturn that someone gave to me. And you bought and a Japanese copy yeah, of the game. Yeah, I managed to buy the Japanese And downloaded the translation. Yes. <laughs> so you could work out how to use the menu. Yeah. So you do like this game a I lot. do like this game. And... The Fire Pro series has its history. It's like one of those games that not only wrestling fans really love, but game fans in general. In Japan. Worldwide. Like, I don't know what it is about the Japanese wrestling games, but they seem to, I don't know, they concentrate more on the wrestling rather than the glitz, say, of your WWE games. But yeah, Fire Pro has a real heritage. And then I think it was probably about two years ago at either PAX or one of the E3s that they announced that there was going to be finally coming to Xbox 360 because... Previously, it had come through the Super Famicom system in Japan, then it was on Sega Saturn, then it was on the, the original PlayStation, and then PlayStation 2. And then when this new one was announced that it was coming out for 360, all of the 360 fans were like, yes, finally we can get Fire Pro on 360. But then when it did get released, instead of being your typical Fire Pro game, it's now actually an Avatar-based wrestling game. So it's XBLA. It was only, I think, 800 points to, to download. And the whole premise is you are your avatar and basically you take your avatar in the ring and fight other people's avatars. Mm -hmm. And as much as I really, I do like the game, it probably shouldn't have been called Fire Pro though. They should have just called it Avatar Wrestling and it would work. It's a really good fun wrestling game. It's very arcadey, but it's just not Fire Pro. Yeah, I mean, I never played, I couldn't get into it because you showed me some Fire Pro back when you were showing me the translations. Yeah. And I mean, what it was is very based on Japanese style of wrestling as well. It's all about the moves yeah. and the plethora of moves, like ridiculous amount of moves. Yeah. And it's the storyline, like uh, as in you wear a person down. In yeah, exactly. It's... And it, it's really played out in that the respect you wear him down, you wear him down, you work a body part. And yeah, exactly. Sort of and I think it's all sprite based animation, the original. So it's quite a small character and a big screen sort of thing. And yeah, the animations were very crude for their time, but people loved it. And Fire Pro had like a massive roster. It was probably at least 200 wrestlers from the start. And obviously this new game is not that same traditional move-based, storyline-based. The the moves are still there and you still can customise the moves and you unlock moves as you progress through the game. And we have this problem on the podcast a lot that we like something, but then when we try and sell it up, we, we don't do a very good job of selling it up it's a, it's a good game but I just don't think they should have called it Fire Pro okay. and as a game I'm digging it okay. like when I first got it I played a couple of games with the kids in the room with me and I thought yeah this is safe it's you know a cutesy violence rather than real violence but then my, my two year old decided he wanted to jump on my head and start slapping me so I, I thought <laughs> well maybe I shouldn't play this in front of the kids anymore but my five year old kind of dug it and he liked the costumes and he liked the fact that characters had masks on and when you do your special like flames come out of you before you do your big moves so he kind of liked it so if you've got older kids than mine they'd probably like it mine are probably just that little bit too young okay so someone who's played wrestling computer games for 20 years yeah probably 
Probably. Right. How does this rate? Where is it amongst the echelon of wrestling games? I'd say it's more fun to play than the WWE games that are around the at the moment. Yep. Nowhere near stacks up to your classic Fire Pros or even you know, your Virtual Pro Wrestling that was on the Nintendo 64. And Virtual Pro Wrestling 2 and WWF, No Mercy, are your yardstick as far as wrestling games go. They're what everything gets compared to. Yeah, as far as where I would rate this, it's more fun to play than, say, WWF 12 or any of those ones. Yeah. Okay, so that's sort of, sort of funny at that. Yeah. It really depends on what you're into. So as far as the current crop of games with MMA games or wrestling games, this is your preferred game? For current generation of consoles, mm-hmm. this is probably the most fun wrestling game I've played for a little while. That's so. a fair call. Yeah. So we'll probably leave it at that. I'd say it's, it's fun. It's cute. It randomly brings people in off your friends list and brings their avatars in for you to fight, which is kind of cool. Because when I first started playing, I was like, oh, does that mean they've got the game too? But then I realized it's just their generic avatar off your friends list. And you do start off just as your generic avatar, but then you, as you progress, you unlock costumes so you can you know, put masks on and proper wrestling gear rather than just your Gears of War t-shirt and jeans that my character had to start with. But yeah, it's fun enough. Excellent. Hmm. Well, speaking of fighting games as well, I, I actually traded in a bunch of games just recently through JB Hi-Fi because I'd been keen on getting Street Fighter Cross Tekken for quite some time, which is probably eight or nine months old now. I think it came out in March this year. Mm-hmm. And at the time when it got released, I was like, well, kind of like this game but I don't want to pay 100 bucks for it and then I recently saw it in the, the JB catalogue for part of their 2 for 40 so I, yeah I took some games down and traded them in and I actually got $30 worth of trade back off 5 games which I was pretty happy about so I ended up picking Street Fighter Cross Tekken and Supremacy MMA for 10 bucks so 2 games for 10 bucks and 5 trade-ins that I wasn't really playing is I think is quite a good deal not bad and it's good it's pretty much the same as the latest Street Fighter which is like Super Street Fighter 4 it's based on that engine rather than the Tekken engine. But yeah, it's a good 2D tag team fighter. The only thing I didn't really like about it is it's very different to your standard style of a fighting game, whereas most fighting games have locked characters when you start and you unlock them by beating them in the game. Mm. The way Street Fighter Cross Tekken works is you actually have to download a DLC pack to unlock the remainder of the characters. So when you start up, there's like, I think, 12 characters that are on the menu, but, but you can't select them. And then you have to buy this DLC, which was like 1,600 points to unlock Whoa. the characters. But then I figured I only paid 10 bucks for the game, so I could fork over the extra little points to unlock That's them. That's a bit rich. Was that something if you paid full price for it? No, that no? was... Because yeah. I went on some of the forums, and that was like a lot of the complaints back in March when it was originally released and a lot of people weren't happy with the fact that you know they'd locked some of the characters and it wasn't even that it was like boss characters they'd locked it's like i don't know how much of a street fighter fan you are but some of the, the characters well some of the characters you'd expect to be playable from the get-go like blanca was one of these locked characters from street fighter some of the tekken characters were a little bit obscure mm-hmm. which didn't really phase me but the, yeah the fact that blanca was one of the locked characters i thought was a bit rich uh, that's and that's the, i know there's been a lot of debate and issues with people with all this dlc now, Borderlands has bought out DLC now, which is an extension to the game. It's a brand new area. That's brand yeah, new story. Extra storyline chapters and which stuff. Which is fine, which you've got to download, and it's new. Yeah. And the Necromancer is a new character you can download and play with. 
but this is something on the disc that you have to download and unlock. Yeah, well, it so is on the disc, and it's purely an unlock that you're paying for. It's not. That's, so you're, you've bought it already once. By buying the physical disc, it's on yep. the disc, you've bought it, and you're paying for the right to use it. I understand why people have issues. Yeah, and they, they have the ability to customise your characters as well. And initially, the customization is purely just changing the colour of your outfit. But again, for more money, you can buy like additional outfits, but I, I haven't actually stooped that low to buy additional outfits for my characters. But yeah, that, that's even just a bit rich. They throw out a couple of like free colour palettes. You start no, off with... That's fine. If you want to spend the money and buy a new pair of derps for, yeah. your, for your character, that's fine. Do it. I don't have a problem with that. If you're stupid enough to go and buy that, that's fine. But if you're paying for a Street Fighter versus Tekken game, you've got this massive collection of characters to choose from. Yeah, exactly. And you have to pay to use them. Yeah. And you're paying full price for a AAA title. That's a bit rich. Yeah. It's like if you, I mean if you want to unlock them early or quicker, fine and you want to pay, but there should be a free way to want to get access to yeah, them. Yeah, as I said, normally in fighting games, like your boss characters and people like that are locked until you beat them mm. and then once you beat them they're playable. But even that in this yeah, they're not there until you buy. Yeah, it was just, it's a bit... I call bullshit on you. Who is it? Who's the company? Capcom. Yeah. But... Bullshit on you, Capcom. But then Capcom really are the masters of the extra DLC. Like, when they did the Marvel versus Capcom games, they start off with, like, one lot of costumes for the, the Marvel characters, and then you can buy, like, you know, the Ultimates pack, where you can download all the costumes from the Ultimate storyline. And there was, like, additional characters you could buy that were kind of, like, the second-tier Marvel heroes. Like, you know, on the disc, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm dangerous. Like, that's something I would do because I'm a comic fan yeah and it's like I buy all these comic related games and I don't necessarily play them all but I want access to all of that stuff yeah. so that could maybe that's why maybe Street Fighter and Tekken fans are that militant as well and they mm. will pay the money and if you're an old school fan even I know who Blanker is yeah well so Blanker's therefore right. if you're an old school fan you're going to want to play as Blanker so you're going to put down your 1600 points and yeah exactly do it well, speaking of comic games as well like you mentioned that you went back to Batman Arkham City you've now finished that I did well I, I finished in the same way that there is more to be done so a playthrough 2 is almost needed yeah. like storyline is complete but did I do all the side missions no did I know I was nearly at the end no I didn't oh yeah there was just some side things I could have done Yeah. and it's like oh I'm going to go here and then I just got to a point of no return in the story where I was committed to the end game so okay. it was like oh is that where I'm at okay because you got a game save and it says where you're at like yeah. 40% it's like I'm only 40% of the game but obviously with they, the side yeah they the, look at collectibles and all that sort of stuff yeah. as part of that 40% but I did that and thank you you worded me up that the special of the week not because I don't really check but there was a Batman Arkham City lot of specials on Xbox Live so I picked up all the skins and the Robin and the Nightwing challenge packs for yeah, 1200 right. 800 points you didn't really play many of the challenge packs of the original no because generally I do have that pile of shame that we've talked about yeah. and it's sort of like story over next game I've got to yeah. keep moving got to keep moving so going back where you were massive Chivo Hunter at the time and you were like trying to get every yep. achievement out of the game as you could so you were doing the challenges for that the challenges were fun but I could see that you would get bogged down on them quite easily well I did play one in this because I downloaded the character packs okay. so I actually tried one of the Nightwing ones and did it in the normal character in the animated style character and then I did a Robin challenge and a Batman challenge just so I wanted to see what the different outfits look like so that's the easiest way to use the new character outfits oh, okay. is to go into challenge mode yep. and just do it quickly so when you played the main story mode which outfit did you Oh, that's the Batman. generic Batman Arkham Cities. You can't choose one until you oh, play okay, through so two. Oh, okay, so play through two. 
But now you've unlocked the classic Adam West 70s Batman. No, it's not Adam West 70s, it's a 64 one. It's, it's a Neil Adam 70s one. But oh, right. if I was to use any, it would probably be Batman Animated. Yeah. Or maybe Dark Knight Returns. Oh, okay. So I've got them all there. One I probably won't use is uh, even Batman Beyond or Batman the Future. It's yep. a really good looking They're really good skins. I'll, I'll give them that. The one that's weird is the uh, the Green Lantern one, but he's not a Green Lantern, he's a Yellow Lantern. Oh, okay. Is that part of the whole Darkest Night sort of yeah, thing? Yeah, it's a like weird outfit, but okay. Oh, okay. I suppose it doesn't take much to model up one outfit and put on as a skin, but it's, just, it's a weird choice. Yeah, it's, well, so it's kind of like when, that, when they made those Batman toys and they bring out the you know, snow camo Batman. Well, all, I mean, they're all stuff. based on real things, I yeah, guess, yeah. in that way. But very rewarding game. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was so well made and tight. In the same way Borderlands is tight. It yeah. just works. I did get angry a couple of times, but nowhere near as much as a lot of other games. Like, oh, okay. Just more my incompetence than the game design. Like It just works really well, and I am tempted to go back and have a go again, but I'm in a nice position to move forward and okay. try something new. Well, that is quite cheap at the moment, too, isn't it? With all the games coming out in the next few weeks. I mean, yeah. It started now. We're seeing it now. All the new releases, Halo 4 is today. It, yeah. As from now till Christmas, there is there so many new games yeah. and titles coming that those sort of games will will be fodder for Christmas bundles. Exactly. I think Game of the Year editions and stuff like that. Hmm. But it's strange though, like, after finishing Borderlands, I haven't really been gaming much. Like, I was just saying to you off air earlier on today that I haven't actually turned on my Xbox to play any games since last Tuesday, so it's been a week. And I was thinking to myself, well, what have I been doing? And then I realised that I've actually been hooked on an iOS game on the iPad that you put me onto. (laughs) Yes, I was I was searching on a website. Every now and then, I'll just go and Google top ten or best free iPad games or apps. Yeah, and there's a couple there, and there's a lot of games I don't like. Even they're popular, like Plants vs Zombies. I've never played. Doesn't interest me. Don't quite understand it. But those tower defense games, I just don't. Maybe I love it, yep. but it's just not for me. Not for you. But one I did read about was this one called Catapult King. I was like, oh yeah, I'll have a look at that. Picture looked kind of funny. It was free. I was like, all right, I'll do it. And what it is essentially is a 3D Angry Birds. What? A first person Angry Birds, really? Yep. Yep. And same concept as you're, you're catapulting a different varieties of balls at structures and you've got to kill the dudes in the structures. So yep. instead of pigs, they're Romans, I think, or soldiers yeah, that work dudes, for a dragon. Dudes in suits of armour that you have to, to have to blow up, yeah. knock down. Yeah, so you're, you're using a finger to angle your catapult and how far you draw back on the, the tension, I guess, is how far it goes and how fire it hits and you've got like just a normal ball or a big solid ball, concrete ball or an explosive ball well you've got that one that kind of splits into three kind of like the like angry birds angry birds yeah uh, so it was very similar in that way but damn addictive very addictive isn't it like I found myself I played through it pretty quickly and I was just, yeah, get through this level, get through this level. And as soon as I finished, I was like, all right, now I've got to go back and get high scores and better scores and stuff like that. And I fell into that trap that I normally do where I have a free game, but then I pay for the extra to unlock all the levels. So 99 cents later, I've got all 88 levels, I think it well, is. Well, 60 start. something anyway. Yeah. More. And I don't know. they are lot. saying that there is more levels free coming. That's sweet. Yeah. Like, yeah. I really enjoyed it for what it was. For a free game, it's fantastic. So if you've got an iPad or an iPhone, it's I find it as good on the iPhone because I've got them both. <laughs> well, when you're portable. When yeah, you're exactly. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. I can recommend it. But something that it made me do, like I don't watch a lot of TV free-to-wear or live-to-wear. I'll tape it and watch it later, pretty much, as the, my modus operandi of any television. I'm hardly home anyway, so it's like I watch it when I want to watch it, not when they tell me. But I found myself after the gym a bit tired, and I zonked on the couch, and I picked up the 
iPad and I was just playing a lot of Catapult King and getting really into it. So I just turned on the telly going, oh yeah, I'll just put that on while I play this and recover. Yeah. Now we've got a community TV station in Channel 31. Yeah. Or in Melbourne. And it's community TV. And it's homemade. And I watched classic restos about car restoration. <laughs> and rev heads. And I was like, what What am I doing? And I kept watching because I was playing Catapult King. I was distracted. And I got really into these car restoration shows. And then it was just ridiculous. Like, I don't know. It's a bad combination. Not healthy for me. It's strange, isn't it, getting stuck into stuff like that. But other than TV, we'll, we'll jump back to uh, our normal, the way we discuss things. Is You've probably been to the movies a little bit since we've last recorded, Mitch, I'm assuming. I watched 21 Jump Street, finally, which I've heard good things, and I we had it, I'll give it a go. And it's a, it's a fun watch. I can recommend it. There's were you, a few good laughs. Were you I was a big a fan, fan of the original? I was a fan. Yeah. And there's a nice nod to fans in there. But okay. it doesn't need to, like, my wife didn't know anything about it. She said, so what's the premise? I was like, just watch it. It'll sort of play itself out, and, and you don't need to. Is it a comedy? Yes, very yeah, much. So it's, it's kind of like the... Ben Stiller, Starskins Hutch sort of tongue-in-cheek comedy, or is it just... Yeah, I mean, it's the humour's in that sort of level. Yeah. It's Jonah Hill, so you've got that super bad sort of vibe and, and feel. skinny Jonah Hill now, though, isn't it? Uh, he's getting that way. Hmm. Yeah. And who's the other one? Channing, T- Channing Tatum? Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum, Tatum, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I recommend it. It's, a bit, it's, a bit, it's fluffy, it's fun, and it's sort of quirky. Okay. Can recommend, and there's a nice... Nice nod to old fans of the show. Yeah. It's worth... Any cameos? There's a nice nod to the fans of the show. All right. I won't, I won't push it any further so we don't talk about spoilers. Yeah. So I saw that, and I actually ventured to the cinema, yes. and I saw Taken 2, more Takener, and... Taken 2 with a vengeance? Uh, pretty much. Uh, it, it was good. There's nothing wrong with the film, and I don't want to sound like a poo-poo guy on everything we seem to talk about, but the thing with Taken 1, it was awesome. Loved it, and... The thing that made it so good was wasn't expecting half of it. Yep. And the movie sort of escalated in a nice way. And you go, this is kick-ass. This is awesome. Going into a second movie where you go, well, we know that guy's kick-ass and awesome. Yeah. You don't have that shock value. No. It's, it's still as good. But because we know what to expect this time. We yeah. know where it can go and they don't escalate it ridiculously, which is good. Because you could easily go into what Die Hard 1 to Die Hard 4 became. You know, yeah, it exactly. became... Just an average Joe with no shoes to a super machine by the end of exactly. it. It was just like ridiculous. So it's okay, but I, I, you can wait for it. Yeah, I've heard some download. pretty bad reviews from it. It's not the best. That's but, a shame. Yeah. Well, speaking of Liam Neeson, yes. I actually got around to watching The Grey. The Grey? It was because... about him finding aliens in Area 51. No, no it was about oh. him getting old and realising that he's got a, a salt and pepper in his hair like <laughs> Kenny Rogers. No, Basically, he is working for a petrochemical company in Alaska as the sharpshooter that takes care of the wolves that hang around the plant. And him and some fellow members of his crew are flying back from you know out in the middle of the sticks in Alaska back to the capital in this little plane. And they end up crashing in the wilderness. And a pack of wolves kind of hunts them down as they're trying to get back to civilization. I'd kind of wanted to see it for a little while and it was on Foxtel On Demand so I thought, yeah, I'll give this a go. But the main reason I really wanted to watch it because you got me hooked on Dan Harmon's Harmontown podcast. Yes. And he'd been talking about how good the grey was and putting on this really good Liam Neeson accent. And after I watched the movie, it was pretty spot on. It's, yeah, these people in the movie are talking about, you know, how the wolves do this and Liam Neeson's like, wolves don't give a fuck about that. 
<laughs> it was just kind of over the top. But when I sat back and thought about it, it was actually a really good movie and very emotional ending. A lot of people like online have bagged the ending, saying it wasn't a very good. It's got a weird ending, doesn't it? We have to go online to actually see a proper ending, or there's. There's one of those like little clips of about five seconds at the very end of the credits. Mm -hmm. And if you just see that, it's kind of like, well, you don't know what the real ending is. No spoilers, but the, the main ending, Liam Neeson finds himself in the den of the main wolf and they have a big fight. Stop there, stop there. I don't, I don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I want to check this out. So. But yeah, the, the main premise is you don't really know who wins the fight. So I'll leave it at that without going okay. too crazy on my spoilers. But I'd recommend it. I like Liam Neeson. And Wolves don't give a fuck about if you like Evil Ian Ethan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it was well worth it. So I enjoyed that. So that was good. The other thing I've watched, I've watched a couple of movies because, again, I had some time at home. And while I was playing Borderlands, actually, I watched a couple of movies on the iPad while I was playing. So I probably didn't give them the attention I needed. But I, I Some finally, don't deserve the attention. Well, yes. I finally got around to watching the American Pie reunion. Oh, yes. Just American reunion, as they call it overseas. For some reason, they had to put the pie back in for the Australian release. And I'd been a fan of the first couple of American Pie movies. And it's got enough of a nod back to those originals. But it falls into that trap of very a lot of modern movies where they could probably take at least half an hour out of the middle of the movie and you don't need it. Like, they put too much emphasis on, like, other characters that you didn't really care about. But they got pretty much everyone from the original... There's been, what, five American Pie movies, I think? But for me, American Pie 1 and 2 were probably the best of them. And after that, a lot of the main stars kind of got famous in other places and it ended up being just, like, Stifler and no one else from the other movies that were starring in the further ones. Mm. But this one, they've got nearly everyone back from American Pie 1, and it's their 10-year high school reunion, 20-year, something like that. Probably. Don't know. Probably 10. It might, it's probably 10. Actually, I think they say it's their 13-year or something, because oh, obviously, it's, it's, <laughs> obviously it's taken them a while to make the movie. And yeah, they, it's good because they all kind of fall back into their, their high school personas again. Like, if you're a fan of the original, I'd say you'd get a, a bit of a kick out of this. Finish. Yeah, it's nice because it kind of ties everything. Yep. So that, that was good. There were, it had some really funny moments, and it had a couple of those like stupid moments that you expect from American Pie movies. It was, it was a good movie to have on in the background. I don't know if you'd really want to sit down and yeah, make that your main event of the movie. But anyway, but, but yeah, other than that, I haven't really been watching a lot of movies. What about you, Mitch? You said... Uh, the one, well, my uh, ubiquitous trip to the Aster, I uh, went and saw the Back to the Future trilogy. So back to back, Back to the Futures at the Aster, which I joke about being the world's most uncomfortable seats. So for three movies, it actually shows how good the movies are when it only took to like a half hour ago in the last film that my ass decided to give way <laughs> and was sort of going, all right, I've had enough now. So, um, yeah, I rate Back to the Future 1 as a perfect film where yeah. there's not one wasted scene in that movie. Everything's there for a purpose. It's just, it's fantastic. Like, yeah, it's, it's really... been a long time since I've seen the first Back to the Future movie and it's something that I always think, yeah, I should make the effort and it's, watch it's Back to the Future. It's amazing how much, like it's all deliberate and the story behind it, you know, Eric Stoltz, they filmed so many scenes with Eric Stoltz's mark and they just realised that that's just not working and yeah. you know the second choice was Michael J Fox and you look at it now it's just you can't think of anything else yeah well that was really his breakthrough movie career wasn't it, it was yes like, he was always like the TV Michael P Keaton from Family Ties and then mm -hmm. this was his big breakout and I read found something the other day that Team Wolf was like a four million dollar movie or something yeah it came out the same year and became a hit 
but it was written by Jeff Loeb, who's a comic writer. Okay. And it was a cheap movie, and they just wanted something cheap and quick and done. And it came out, basically, on the height of Marty McFly and Back to the Future, so it became a hit itself. It cost nothing. But that's just, yeah, him becoming a film actor. Yeah. Because of this movie. But anyway, um, that first movie is fantastic. Second movie, has, it's a long movie. And yeah. You've got that middle movie syndrome going on. It's not great, but it was fun enough to see again. I haven't seen it since the first time I've seen it. Oh, really? I may have caught it on tally at some point, but yeah, I've not gone out of my way to watch the second one again because yeah. as, as much as I love the future scenes for a bit, but they look a bit hokey now. And the third one I've seen quite a few times and that's a great film. Well, see, to me, I would rather watch one and two and not worry about three. I love three. I don't know. There's just too many like nods to other things in the third one. Oh, the yeah, second like one's the, all nods. Uh, yeah, but the third one with his like rip-off of Good, the Bad, and the Ugly and like, how he throws the pie case and it's like Frisbee Pie Company and well, like, the ZZ Top nods. worse and, than that. Oh. Really? Maybe I should but go back Something I didn't realise coming away from watching the first one again on the big screen, how much product placement's in that movie. Really? Ridiculous. Like Pepsi is throughout all the movies. Yeah. And in the future, they got future versions of these companies like Texaco and all these sort of things. But yeah, I was just shocked how much was in there and how they did it. It was like big zoom in on his Awa Walkman and Pepsi and this and that. And just in the background, how much product and even 50s versions of product. And yeah. I was like, okay, it's, it's, I mean, it's fine. It doesn't take you out of the film or anything, but I was just really shocked, actually, how much was in there. Nike, ridiculous. Well, like, Nike actually made a version of those shoes, didn't they? They called them McFly's, but yeah. yes, they did. And, well, he's wearing his Calvin Klein undies, and people think his name's Calvin Klein, yeah. and there's the whole going into the soda fountain and asking for a tab, and they're like, well, you can't have a tab because you haven't bought anything yet. Yeah, yeah I was shocked. But again, like I said, nothing's wasted in that movie. So if you haven't seen Back to the Future in a while, I, it's definitely worth going back and doing. How old is it then? 85? Yeah, so it's quite an old film. But it really does still hold up. I don't want to say that. It makes me sound old. Yeah. But yes, it is an old Well, other than movies, I have actually spent a bit of time watching TV. I finally got around to watching Breaking Bad. Yeah. And we kind of talked and joked a little bit about how if we ever do get around to watching Breaking Bad, we'll probably end up mainlining it. And my wife and I ended up watching all of the first season in two days. We like watched half of it on a Friday night and the other half on the Saturday night. And since then, we've both been pretty hooked and we now finished the end of the fourth season. Wow. And and that's probably in about a month, I think, that we've been through four seasons that's in a pretty month. pretty impressive. Well, I pretty much started... you raved about the first season and you read yeah. to the second and we just finished our watching of Twin Peaks 20 years behind but yeah, we're catching up so I was like alright we've got a new show to watch let's watch this so I did and we've got through the first season now we're not mainlining as quick as you are but very much enjoying the show you're obviously a lot further ahead than me so yeah. no spoilers no spoilers it is one of the better acted shows it's, around. it's just really well acted really well written and they've paid a lot of attention to detail and it just flows really well but there's not much I can say to disparage the show. It's like, as soon as we started watching it, like, I, w- I was surprised. I thought my wife probably wouldn't get as much out of it as I was going to. And she's been just as hooked as I have. Like, we've got other stuff that we normally watch, and we're like, oh, are we going to watch that? And she's like, no, let's just watch another couple of Breaking Bad episodes. Sort of thing. Okay. I mean, I was talking to a friend today about it, and the closest thing for me that it's my probably my favourite show that I watch as far as serious drama, like, if it's something I might watch that's funnier or this and that, but Oz... The prison drama is yep. probably my favourite and what I think is one of the most best acted, best scripted shows around. 
Yeah. It's up there with that so far, and I'm a season in, so give it another two seasons. I might, oh, it may surpass Oz, but I still rate Oz as one of the best things I've seen. I haven't watched West Wing. I haven't watched Sopranos. I haven't watched The Wire, so there's still good telly out there, I know, that I haven't seen to judge against. Yeah. But Oz is still my benchmark to what I'll rate or okay. compare shows to. It's hard to say what my favourite benchmark show would be. Like When... The Lost originally came out. I know I got stuck into Lost, and that was back in the days before we had kids and we actually spent almost a whole weekend just watching Lost back-to-back for the whole first season. And I think we watched 24 almost in real time, the first season of 24 at one stage as well. But there hasn't been anything for a long time that I've really been hooked on like Breaking Bad. And other than that, though, I have been watching some other TV. Well, yeah, going back to what I was saying before, when I was watching my Channel 31 classic resto shows when that finished it went on to fishing shows and I don't like fishing so I was flicking through the channels still addicted to my catapult king and I stumbled across one of our digital channels and came across American Pickers which I've never watched before yeah and I thought, oh, yeah, I might just some gaming this evening. I'll just watch the end of this show. Problem was, it was a two-and-a-half-hour episode. <laughs> and I got stuck watching this shitty freaking reality show of inane bullshit. And that's what our topic is tonight, reality shows. Yeah, so we've, we've talked about the good TV being, you know, Breaking Bad being one of the best. But then on the Scripted other end of television. the spectrum, we've got the scraping the bottom of the barrel reality shows. Which, I mean, I have been known to like my fair share of obscure stuff out there when it comes to reality. Like, I did watch Big Brother back in the day when it was hyped and big and I dropped off after a couple of seasons. Well, here in Australia, I remember I was quite into the first season of Big Brother. I would, like, really make an effort. If I wasn't going to be home, I know I'd have to take Big Brother so I could watch it later. And I really got into the first season. The second season, the the people on it weren't quite as likeable, so I didn't like it as much. But then I remember you were watching the English Big Brother a little while ago. It was probably, like, four or five seasons ago where they had the guy with Tourette's on. Yeah. And you got me hooked on the English Big Brother <laughs> just purely for the fact well, that... Well, the reason I got into the English Big Brother was we went over to England for a wedding, and the day we arrived, we were jet-lagged, we are in a hotel, so I just turned on the telly, and it happened to be the first day. So everyone's going into the house. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of captivated. And then we just kept finding ourselves, whenever we got back to the hotel from doing our day's touristing, the late night version of it, recap show was on. And I just turned on the telly to go to sleep too. And it's like, oh, there's Big Brother. And I got really into the show. And the thing with UK Big Brother versus Australian Big Brother is that the characters they got in the UK were such strong characters. Big Brother didn't have to do a lot for drama to happen. Yeah. And they would just kick off and fight or whatever. And they were just generally funny people, like whether intentionally or not. Where you get back to Australia after watching this, and we were just boring. Like the, they didn't get characters, they got people. Yeah. And generally pretty people who had no personality. So that really killed watching Big Brother for me in Australia. And what I ended up doing was downloading every day Big Brother from the UK for a couple of seasons. But what I found was like Australian Big Brother. You commit to this for three months, I think it goes for. Yeah, just over it's a long months. time. After about two and a half months, the interest just wanes, the commitment becomes harder and you just can't be bothered doing it. And I don't know how many times I've downloaded it, I've watched it for two and a half, three months and then I just didn't care. And I never watched the last two weeks of the series. You kind of fall into that trap though, I know I did when I was watching Brook Brother, that you have your favourite and as soon as that person gets evicted it's like, well, I don't care anymore, I'm not going to watch any more of it. It's a bit of that and that, I mean, that's how reality TV works on any of those game show based versions of reality where yeah. you vote or you vote in or vote out or 
any yeah. of that sort of stuff and you you get a commitment and a connection and you stick with it but sort of the reality shows we're heading we're going to talk about today are just that almost scripted yeah, reality show you talked about American, American Pickers before and I've fallen into the trap of watching a lot of stuff that's on the A&E channel here on Foxtel yep. which is the originally it was the Arts and Entertainment channel and it's basically now turned into the auction bargain pawn shop hunting channel and it's just filled with like storage hunters, storage wars, hoarders, hoarders. No, yeah. Actually, I think hoarders is on one of the other channels, but it's the same sort of concept though. It's, but the, the whole storage wars side of things, it's basically as a concept, it doesn't sound like a, a good show to watch. It's people go to auctions for storage lockers that people haven't paid for, and they they bid on them, then they go and sell what's in it, and they make a profit or they make a loss, but. With Storage Wars, it's all about the characters. Like, and I don't know how real the reality TV is. Like, they they always end up finding expensive things in their lockers and they go to some expert and the expert tells them how much it's worth. And then they, they base who's won the episode on, you know, who's who's what it's worth. But, you know, they'll find something. There was one where they found, like, vintage Star Wars figures that was on the Storage Wars Texas episodes. And they found, like, a, you know, a Boba Fett figure still in its packet. And he took it to some... You know, comic shop in in Texas, and they told them that it was worth like seven grand or something like that. But they didn't sell it to the comic shop for seven grand, so you don't know that they got seven grand for it. They could have yeah. like put it on eBay and got the thousand dollars for it. But yep. they still kind of say that you know they they win that episode because they've got a seven thousand dollars Star Wars figure. What do they win? Well, they don't really. They just you know say you know today's winner on the show was something. Well, with that, I mean, sort of like a very American one. With similar shows with the English, I do like. I get stuck watching Antiques Roadshow. I don't go out of my way to watch it, but yeah. if it's on, I'll watch it. And then all of a sudden, I see this obscure, weird wooden carved thing, and they're going, "Oh, this is blah blah blah. It's worth fourteen thousand pounds." And it's like, "Where the hell did that come from?" So it's a very low key show in as far as the drama goes, but yeah. it's it's fascinating, and I do find myself stuck watching those sort of shows. And then on the other side, you got Bargain Hunt. Which See, is, I would rather watch Bargain Hunt, which is a lot of fun. Antiques Roadshow, and but only the original Bargain Hunt when the orange yeah, guy, yeah, Dickinson. What's his name? Ian Dickinson? No, Andrew Dickinson. Something Dickinson, anyway. But then they replaced him with another guy that wears bow ties and has a moustache and a gap in his teeth. But I don't like him very much. No, but I mean, that's just kind of fun because they get 200 pounds to go and spend at like festival, like antique festivals. And they get an expert who's obviously useless because they always buy the wrong things for the wrong price and see who gets the best money at the end of auction. And they get the difference. So So people come away with 14 pounds at the end, which is so very BBC. They can go and get a pint. Yes. But that's the thing with Bargain Hunt as opposed to Storage Wars. On Storage Wars, you don't see them selling the item. Whereas Bargain Hunt, they go to the auction, they sell it. You know, you know that they're making the money or they're losing mm. money. I mean, and it's an interesting show and I do find myself... I don't, Like I said, I don't go out of my way to watch it, but when I get there, I sort of have to see how it ends and say, oh, is that really worth £50? Pounds? What mm. are they going to make on that? They're going to lose. And, I mean, comparing American Antiques Roadshow to English Antiques Roadshow is very different as well. Because you sort of, if you start watching enough of it, which I was watching for a while, and you get a vibe of what things are worth, and then you go to America, like just say something English, yeah, Royal, exactly. blah, 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 it's worth £4,000. Yeah. Then someone finds a very, really close, similar thing in an American show. It's worth a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. It's just because obviously the market to yeah. buy it isn't there, but anything Civil War in America is worth an absolute mint. So it's very different. Yeah, I saw one of one of the American ones where they had some Navajo blanket and they just brought it in. It looked just you know this frayed piece of cloth, and 
it didn't look like it was worth anything. And the expert was pretty much jumping over himself to tell them that it was worth almost a million. Jesus. Okay. Yeah, and it was kind of like, well, this should be in a museum. This shouldn't be like, you know, in your backyard. Sort of thing. Okay. But, yeah, I, I don't know. But I went through a stage where we were watching a fair bit of Antiques Roadshow and my wife and I would sit there and we'd play like, you know, the little game of like item would come on and you'd both pick a price and see who was closest <laughs> sort of thing. Going back to the, the difference between the English and the American, on A&E they have porn stars. I don't know if you've seen any of that. And they've got another Is one. Is that the Vegas Yeah, it's like shop? a pawn shop in Vegas. And the guy that owns the pawn shop's a bit of a knob and his dad works there and his son works there and his dad's like this old guy that falls asleep in the office. And they're trying to make characters out of them. Mm. But really, like people come into the pawn shop with stuff and he'll then get an expert in to come and tell them how much it's worth. And they'll give them some price. Like one guy had this like you know, old musket and he was like, oh, it's, it's worth $1,800. And then the pawn shop guys turned around and said, well, you know, I'll give you 500 for it. And it's like, why would the person that's bringing it in only want 500 for it if he knows it's worth 1800 if he makes the effort to go and list it on eBay and sell it himself rather than selling it to the guy in the shop? And then the frustrating things, I've sort of caught little bits of that show. Yeah. And they're showing the interest in between the characters. They're fighting and this is happening. And then the drama that happens when someone comes in yeah. wanting more money or you sell me a dodgy thing. And Sort of like okay, and what? There's an expert there nearby. Is exactly. it real? Yeah. Do you really? You call someone in every time someone brings in a five hundred dollar musket, and that's where you sort of the question over the whole, the whole show is it know, real? Is reality. it real? Yeah. And that's the frustrating where, you know, Bargain Hunt and Antiques Roadshow, I think there's a few with Antiques Roadshow. So like if someone's in a local town with something that's worth a bit of money, it's like, come on down, come on we'll down, get you on yeah. tally, you know. But a lot of it, people do come down and bring stuff and that's how it works. I really love what Antiques Roadshow there where they have someone that has something that's obviously worth a lot to them. Yes, but it has they no real monetary Oh, value. it's worth about 20 pounds. And they're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it, it's like people that come in and they have like, yeah, these books of signatures from people and they're like, oh, you know, when I was little, my dad owned a cinema and all these movie stars came in and signed this bit of paper and they're all like you know b-grade actors that you wouldn't really care about and they always turn around and go well it's got a lot of sentiment <laughs> and it's, it's kind of like yeah it's great you just you know shattered this poor woman's dreams <laughs> yeah. yeah so that's quite funny yeah um, in that that, way. that's kind of like the the highbrow reality tv mm. And then something and then, which got us onto this topic this time. Yeah. So I've been watching a show, a bit of a secret shame almost. I wasn't telling anyone that I started watching this new show. And it, and then I did talk to you about it. And we just happened to flick through the channels last week. And it was, it was on. on. And it's like, oh, do you mind if we watch this? Because it's the next episode. And needless to say, in the last week, you've caught up. Okay. <laughs> and yes. it's The Valleys, which is essentially Jersey Shore, which... They did an English version called Geordie Shaw, and this is the Welsh version with some nine kids from the valley going to Cardiff to trying to get out of the valleys. And it is trash, pure trash TV, but I can't help but love it. It's it's just so trashy though, isn't it? Like the language in it, and it's... I've seen a couple of episodes of Jersey Shore just because it's been on and I've watched it. And I don't know if there's a difference in American censorship to English censorship, but the Valleys being well, Welsh, English, British, they just let everything go. Like all the swearing, all nudity, nudity, <laughs> all the you know, young kids drinking and falling over and flashing oh, well, their bits and stuff. I've only saw, saw some episodes of 
Jersey Shore this year for the first yeah. time. Now, I've, so I'm, I don't know if I'm watching season four, season five, but they're well and truly established celebrities now. Yeah, celebritards. Celebritards. And they're definitely, so they are playing up to the camera because this would make good television. Yeah. And any show post Jersey Shore, because it is a copy of a successful show, everyone knows exactly what they're in for. Yeah, exactly. So, and The Valleys is playing up to that as well. But I saw the first Jersey Shore as they're doing everything for the cameras. Like, well, these people probably are a little volatile anyway. And because a little bit of self-importance going on as well, but having the cameras around them, you know you're playing up to something. Yeah, and Jersey Shore, I think, is very hyper versions mm. of hyper reality. It's kind of like there are these type of people out there, but these are the yeah, worst up, of up the worst. And yeah, they cranked it up. And yeah, so it's sort of weird, but in the America, I don't think they show the nudity. No, they I don't, don't think they have. I think they bleep the swearing. Yeah. Where I watched this first episode of The Valleys, and it's like, there's boobs. <laughs> and that's an awful lot of swearing. Yeah. An awful lot of descriptive swearing, too. But that was the difference even from watching The English Big Brother. The English Big Brother, they let the swearing in. Well, that was interesting, because I was watching an Australian Big Brother, and yep. they used to have Aussie Big Brother uncut, which was once a week. Generally, it got down to trashy TV with a lot of shower montages and... Yeah. And dirty talk. Yeah. Because in Australia, Big Brother, the recap show, the daily recap show, was on at 6.30 or 7 o'clock? Yeah, 7 I think it was. Yeah. So, and as Gretel Colleen, who's the host of the show, and as much as she hated the idea of uncut, but she goes, this is a true representation of what goes on in the house. Yeah. At 7 o'clock, we can't show you everything that happens because we are restricted by the time slot and the rating. So, if someone's an arsehole and swears or picks on and this and that and is a bully, you can't show it properly. Mm. People are fun. Someone might be really fun in the house, but we can't show it because it's so wrong that yeah. it's that shot. So there is a time and a place for certain things. Unfortunately, the show did degrade into just being a bunch of shower montages to music and yeah. it was a bit exploitative. But Big Brother's exploitative anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But in the UK Big Brother, they weren't exploitative with nudity or anything like that. But the time and the channel that it was on, swearing was let go. Yeah. So if fighting got into a good free-for-all and there was plenty of swearing involved, you saw it. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that you are asked to vote on this show and who do you want out, you can make a, a better decision based on a realistic thing that you see as opposed to a PG version of what happens in a house at 7 o'clock. That's a lot well, deeper it, than Big Brother needs to be spoken about, I think. But It's a lot like any reality TV show where you're voting, though. It's all about you know manipulating how people act and what they do. Like mm. I've never really watched The Apprentice until like the last season of The Apprentice or Celebrity, Celebrity Apprentice, Apprentice. Yep. purely for the fact that I'm a fan of Corolla and he talked about it on his podcast that he was going to be on Celebrity Apprentice and he got voted out quite early and the way they portrayed him on telly he just came off like an ass. but then listening to his podcast he was talking about the stuff that they told him off camera and, and how they just edited the footage together to make it look like he was doing things that they weren't asking him to do wow. but it was basically yeah they, they told him how they wanted this presentation run and the way it was edited together it made it look like you know he'd come up with this idea to run this presentation and it was completely different to how the client wanted the presentation but that was how the producers told him to do it. Interesting. Because yeah. I actually have watched a bit of The Apprentice myself and celebrity is great because you are dealing with celebrities. Yeah. So these are people who have got to 
the top or to the middle of their game, depending on who they are. Yep. You know, whether comedians or reality TV stars or sports people. If they're sports people, these are people who have gotten to the top of a game. Exactly. And no one tells them no. Yeah. And a lot of other celebrities have gotten to a fairly high level where no one tells them no. You throw all these people in a room together and they have to work together. Someone's got to be top dog. And they're most likely they're all used to being top dog. And it is interesting to watch, but the manipulation is always at the back of my head whenever I watch these things. But the normal apprentice, that's a bit different. You watch that too because you've got all these go-getters who want to win this because it is a legitimate chance to better your career in a very big way. Yeah. And these people want it. Yeah. And they're hungry. Now, how much producer manipulation goes involved, you don't know a lot, I'm assuming. But watching that, it is kind of fascinating just yeah. to watch human interaction in that way. And you just have to, at the top of your head, you always have to think, there is manipulation. This is not exactly. true. But you um, try and look through it and think, what's real? What's real? And you're never going to know. Yeah. But it can't help but be fascinated by it. It's weird, though, because I find myself watching a lot of unscripted TV more than I watch scripted TV. You just live on A&E, do you? Well, I watch a lot of A&E, and I find even... Like your cooking shows and stuff like that, and your, and your reality type cooking shows, like your Gordon Ramsay stuff, where he goes and checks out a struggling restaurant and turns them around. Like, what gets me on that is obviously the people that own these shitty restaurants know they have a shitty restaurant, and they've asked Gordon Ramsay to come in and help them. And then he tells them what to do, and they don't want to do. It. Yeah, but he's like, "Oh, you've got to, yeah, you've got to fix this," and, and they're all like so defensive. And it's like, well, you've asked for him to come here and fix your restaurant, and that that's another thing that goes back to the difference between the English and the American. Like in the English season, English series, he just lets fly in typical Gordon Ramsay fashion, and they just they show it. Like when they show it here on Channel Nine, they show it later in the night, so it's like ten thirty or something like that, and they don't believe him. And I've seen some of the American ones that they have on like one of the food channels here on Foxtel, and the, the American ones they bleep, and it's something like you know Americans probably don't like hearing people swearing all the time. But yeah, it's strange that there's that whole double standard of in England, it's okay to say fuck. But in America, it's like a real big deal to say it on TV. But yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. But getting back to the valleys, though, I shouldn't like it. And there is nothing in that show that on paper would appeal to me. But I just find myself hooked on it. Like, like well, said, you're Welsh and you love the accent. I'm not Welsh. <laughs> you are Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> Although, it's weird because my son watches a lot of Welsh TV, like Fine and Sam and, and stuff like that. They all speak with the Welsh accent. And then when I watch the valleys, I kind of have a little chuckle to myself because it's just that Welsh accent. Yeah, so with the valleys, you've got, like I said, nine kids from the valley. They're all around early 20s. They want to get out of the valley, so they've come and they're living in a share house. There's no concept, there's no game show, there's no nothing like that. They've all just moved to this place. Yeah, so it's not like they're competing against each no. other to be a winner or anything like no. that. No, and essentially they've got jobs. There's four that want to be models, one guy and three girls. And one guy wants to be a rapper, one apparently wants to be a DJ. I don't know if that's... <laughs> what he wanted to do when he came but that's what he's getting a chance to do and then there's another girl who's, who wants to be a stylist and another one is a promotions girl like she just wants to get drunk on rosé which yeah. is fine and that's it so you're sort of following them it's only six episodes long each week they get drunk embarrass themselves and get into a fight essentially or, and, or fuck and make asses of themselves in the club that they want to be working in yeah, and it's like, and, I mean, and it's fascinating just watching these. And I love the, well, the Welsh accent's great, and the situations are just ridiculous. It's just like maybe you're looking back at the nostalgia, going, "Oh, if I was there when I was that young, I would be having so much fun with these people." But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to know any of these people. I don't want to be friends with any of these people. But it's, it's that whole generation difference between us and them. It's a total generation. Yeah, I just find it funny, but 
we were, you were talking, you did a little research, and you read it on the wiki that it says it's a scripted reality show. Yeah. And we just watched an episode tonight before we recorded. And they, there's a lot of the talking head thing. That the cameras yeah, are there so showing a situation. They'll show footage of what they've been up to in the day, and then they cut to you know the character sitting in the studio talking going, about what just happened. Oh, this was really bad when this happened. And, and, yeah, uh, some and there's of, some really clever lines in there that we found ourselves laughing, going, did they come up with that? You, sometimes it's just that little bit too clever. Yeah, and like the uh, the expression, this will go down like a shit sandwich. <laughs> that just seemed a bit too over the top to be something that you would something say you off, would say, off yeah. the cuff. So it's just sort of weird, and I sort of just put it in my head that maybe it is scripted. Like, as far as... It's definitely manipulated. Oh, they yeah, put them sure. in a situation going, here's a lot of booze, you're all in sexy costumes, let's see what happens. Yeah. And they'll kick off, and everyone will be tampered, because I speak <laughs> like a Welsh person now. <laughs> And so, how scripted, like, with the talking head stuff, like, the way it's cut together, it's like, they're, they've just had a fight, they'll go and grab the person, put them in a room, get the talking head, then put them back out for the fight again. So, they're speaking well, in do current they, Or tense. do you think they've filmed, do you think they've filmed, like, the whole of the season, and then they've got back in line Well, that's after. what I think they've done, but the way they're speaking in the yeah. talking heads are current tense. Yeah. It's not past tense. Well, it is past tense, but as in, because it's sort of like, oh, this happened, but I reckon this is going to happen next. So yeah. it's all, it's meant to be in between. So how they film and how they make it, it's obviously, it's manipulatable to try and get the best TV out there, but God, it's trashy. Well, see, that's what I always find weird about The Amazing Race. Because they do that same sort of thing on Amazing Race. Like, you'll see them, you know, running around Central Africa trying to find a taxi. And then they'll go, cut to the studio oh, we going, knew they were so much far yeah. ahead of us, but if we made up our time, we could. Yeah, yeah, so I often think that, when have they filmed that? Have they done that? At the end of the day. End of the season. Mm. Like, how have they done it? And, yeah, it's strange. Because I, I do love Amazing Race. As, as far as a lot of the reality shows go on game shows, it's one of the better ones. Yeah, and Amazing Race constantly wins, like, best reality but show the, Emmys. But as far like as the manipulation go, you have no concept of time in no. that show. So you've got these two teams racing for the finish. They're two hours apart sometimes, yeah, exactly. but you don't know that. No. And so it's sheer manipulation. But as much as I, I had to say this, and I'll probably upset some of our American listeners... Watching the American Amazing Race, you really realise that Americans just do not care for anyone else in the world except other Americans. Like, there was one the other day we were watching, and they were in Thailand, and the taxi driver didn't speak any English. And the American girls, like two blonde bimbo cheerleaders, when they lost at the end of that leg, they were basically saying, you know, how dare this man not speak our language? So just kind of like, you're in his country, he's speaking his language, you know, and you're having a go at him for not speaking English and costing you your race because he didn't understand your instructions. And it's like, the arrogance of these people. Mm. It's interesting. Yeah. Cool. Well, well yes. that's that's. I think that's enough embarrassing ourselves that we watch way too much and appreciate way too much um, yes. reality TV. But it still makes me laugh though that MTV originally MTV was music was television. Sixteen and pregnant. Yeah, but now underage M- and engaged. <laughs> MTV here in Australia on Foxtel they have MTV and they have like MTV Classics and MTV Classics still plays music videos and it's like when you look at your sections on Foxtel it's in the music section but MTV in general is now just in the entertainment section yeah it's like all reality shows on MTV obviously it rates obviously and makes money somewhere somehow yeah Yeah, so please check out our Facebook and tell us your thoughts on if you watch any and why or 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 how bad we are and tell us that we shouldn't be watching the valleys I think my wife would probably agree that we shouldn't be watching the rallies. <laughs> but yes. 
Well, speaking of our Facebook, we did speak about that last show that we do have the Facebook up and running now. So come and have a look at our Facebook. Like us on Facebook. That would be really good. We are facebook.com slash the Massive Attack Podcast. And we also mentioned on the last show that we're now up and running on Stitcher. And I listen to us on Stitcher. Oh, well, Not cool. that I'm being vain or anything. I just thought yeah, I'd give it a go so we could in- at least endorse the product. And it works quite nice. Yeah. And I've actually listened to quite a few things on Stitcher now. Like I found that I'm listening to other shows on Stitcher that I used to previously listen to through subscribing on iTunes and I like the fact that on Stitcher you can listen to things in one and a half times or double times. Which is I've been bragging to you about it. You don't have an iPhone. No. I've been listening to all my podcasts on iPhones and that the double time listen to is a grand thing sometimes. Because yes. I don't know, if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously listen to other podcasts or maybe we're the only one, but there are others out there. And some are great and sometimes you've only got a half hour to kill and there's this hour podcast sounds like if there was only some way I could condense it down. And yes. half time is because it doesn't interfere with the listening. You can still understand quite well, surprisingly. Yeah, the only time it really has problems is if they have background music in certain sections. Mm. Or too many people talking over each other, it gets a bit confusing, but it's actually quite a good way, and I find myself going, I wish I could watch movies in double time, (laughs) and it actually happened to me. I was watching, for the other podcast I do, I was was watching Firewalk With Me Again, the David Lynch movie, and I had a download copy, which I played, and for something was wrong with the download, and it played in quicker time. Oh, okay. Which was weird, and I, I was watching it going, if I didn't know better, this is a David Lynch film, I swear this was on purpose, but it wasn't, but it was okay because I'd seen the film, so it was a matter of just hitting the marks again and seeing the movie for what it was. Okay. It's like, I wish I had the option to do these other yeah. things. So if anyone knows any video software out there that I can watch, I use VLC, if you've got anything out there that I can up the tempo and maybe get through some shows a little bit quicker, well, That's That's know. often the problem, though. If you try and speed up the video, you, sometimes it just doesn't play the audio to go with it. Mm. But you definitely need audio and video together. Yes, yes, yes. yes. So if anyone knows, please hit us up on Facebook. Yeah, so yeah, come to our Facebook site. As much as I just bagged out iTunes, still go to iTunes and check us out on iTunes. iTunes is great. iTunes is good if you have an iDevice, and most people probably do these days. What do you think we're recording this? Exactly. And yeah, check us out on iTunes. Check us out on our Facebook. As I said, the Massive Attack podcast on Facebook now. You can send us an email to vmapodcast at gmail.com if you have any comments or questions for the show. Tell us what we're doing right. Tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us about the bottom of the barrel reality shows that we should be watching. Yeah, anything. If you like the valleys and you've got other shows to watch, you know, tell us. Is Geordie Shaw worth it? Probably. <laughs> I th- I'm getting a no from the producer. <laughs> Something, going back to A&E, we were flicking channels the other day and they had this thing called Duck Dynasty. And it's this like hillbilly dudes in the South of America that have made lots of money and turned into millionaires purely for the fact that they made like duck calls for hunters and they've sold thousands of them. And they're, they're these two dudes that kind of look like Hillbilly Jim from 80s WWF and they've got like these glamour model girlfriends and they live in this big mansion in the middle of the swamps in Louisiana. So it's a Beverly like Hillbillies, but real. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yes, yeah, so I'd, I'd suggest maybe check that out too. That, that's worth the wait. Okay. But, yes. All right, well, that, that's a good place for us to finish tonight. I think we're going to go and watch a bit more of The Valleys because I think we'll we'll the final episode. episode. Right? And, yeah, we'll catch you next month. See you later. Uh, uh. I gotta go, gotta go Before I do something stupid I gotta go I gotta go, gotta go Before I do something lame